Welcome to the By Study and By Faith podcast, presented by BYU Speeches, showcasing BYU devotionals that blend reason and science with faith, university disciplines with discipleship, and the scholarly with the sacred. Be sure to check out our other podcasts by searching BYU Speeches wherever you get your podcasts or by visiting speeches.byu.edu slash podcasts. This devotional address, entitled Listen, Lift, Rescue, was given on November 29th of 2016 by Jody Maxfield, then the artistic director of the BYU Cougarettes dance team. You might recall in the beloved Dr. Seuss children's book, Horton Hears a Who, how Horton, who was an elephant, had a chance encounter with a speck of dust, from whence a voice barely audible called out for help. Horton recognized that the voice is coming from the speck of dust and proceeds to do all he can to protect and defend the colony of Who's, who are too small to be seen by an elephant's eyes. Horton perceives that someone is in distress and realizes that he can help. Instead of discounting his newly discovered friends and amidst scoffs and scorn from others, he does all he can to give aid. He has a clear understanding of his ability to rescue and protect the Who colony. Through his actions, he demonstrates his ability to give aid, share his light, and serve. And as Horton exclaims, a person's a person, no matter how small. Having just celebrated Thanksgiving this past week, and as we transition from November into the month of December and the birth of our beloved Savior, it seems particularly natural that gratitude has taken center stage in our minds and in our hearts, as well it should. No matter how humble or meager our circumstances, we each have so much to be grateful for. President Thomas S. Monson has said of gratitude, to express gratitude is gracious and honorable. To enact gratitude is generous and noble, but to live with gratitude forever in our hearts is to touch heaven. President Monson also said, We can lift ourselves and others as well when we refuse to remain in the realm of negative thought and cultivate within our hearts an attitude of gratitude. Gratitude is an expression of our faith. Negativity most certainly breeds despair, depression, lack of enthusiasm, and a critical analysis of that which is likely, most likely not our right to criticize or judge. Elder Joseph B. Worthen, in a devotional address given at BYU on gratitude, said the following, Gratitude is the mark of a noble soul and a refined character. We like to be around those who are grateful. They tend to brighten all around them. They make others feel better about themselves. They tend to be more humble, more joyful, more likable. Elder Worthen reminded us that gratitude is a commandment of the Father. Thou shalt thank the Lord thy God in all things. While it may be more challenging to feel grateful when we are in the throes of disappointment and trials, those are the very times when we need to stop, take a look around, and list and count our blessings one by one. It has not been surprising to me throughout my life just how much I truly take for granted when I am in a woe-is-me state of mind, 
and just how reflecting on my blessings has turned things around almost instantaneously, although not removing the trial. When my outlook has changed, my attitude, perception, and ability to cope have been positively affected. Elder Dieter F. Uchtdorf said regarding gratitude, Gratitude is a catalyst to all Christ-like attributes. A thankful heart is the parent of all virtues. He went on to say, True gratitude is an expression of hope and testimony. It comes from acknowledging that we do not always understand the trials of life, but trusting that one day we will. As I am blessed to coach and direct the BYU Cougarettes, one of the areas that we have chosen to focus on this year as a team has been gratitude. I have seen firsthand gratitude in action over and over the past few months through numerous handwritten thank you notes or heartfelt expressions of love for others. Expressions of appreciation for what have been received, individual random acts of kindness, striving to avoid a sense of entitlement, and focusing on all that is good and uplifting have positively impacted individuals and the team. A focus on recognizing the tender mercies and blessings that have come to this team have truly made a difference and has ultimately added a culture of humility and gratefulness to each team practice. Elder Worthen gave us a wonderful phrase to remember and implement in our lives, come what may and love it. We would all do well to reflect on and incorporate those six inspiring words into our daily lives. Not all days are easy to love, but within each day is something of value that will expand our vision, increase our horizon, and cause our heart to truly swell with love, appreciation, and gratitude. We just have to open our eyes and our hearts. I love BYU athletics. I love our student-athletes, coaches, administration, and teams. And I love my Cougarettes. I'm inspired by them. They encourage me to be a better person and coach. It's a department and an environment where all are engaged in excellence and in achieving the very best the human body and spirit can accomplish. I am passionate and committed to the job I have of coaching our competitive dance team, but more importantly, in helping to provide opportunities for testimonies and lives to be enriched and changed and for spiritual moments to happen frequently. President Worthen often quotes from the BYU mission statement. He is very passionate and committed to making sure that all at BYU have a clear understanding of what the aims and mission of a BYU education are all about. President Worthen has said, quote, While we do not do everything that other universities do, the expectation is that we that everything we will do will be first-rate. According to the mission statement, a commitment to excellence is not an aspiration, it is an expectation. I have been inspired many times, as I'm sure you have as well, by President and Sister Worthen. There is no doubt that they are committed to BYU, and they love serving the students and faculty here. I so appreciated the messages shared by them at the beginning of this semester. President Worthen's message entitled, The Light of the Why, encouraged all to let the why light us. His instruction was, You are not here by accident. 
God has a work to perform through you. Make Him the center of your efforts. Do what He would want you to do. Let His light light shine more brightly through you as a result of your experiences at BYU. If you do, miracles will happen in your life, and you will see the majesty of the Lord work in the lives of others. In 2008, as the Cougarettes were preparing for national competition, the team had decided that that year they would like to compete with a routine that was unique in nature from those of previous years. The girls wanted to communicate something more heartfelt, and they also wanted to seek for missionary opportunities to share their light and the gospel. It was determined that besides creating a special routine, they would also take with them around 50 copies of the March 2008 Enzyme to give away and share, hoping for situations to arise where they could present the magazines to their fellow competitors as well as share their love of their Savior. This particular issue of the Enzyme has a beautiful image by Carl Block of the Savior on the cover. It was described as a special issue devoted entirely to expressing our beliefs of our Savior Jesus Christ. It contains testimonies of our prophets and apostles. It testifies of the life, mission, gospel, and atonement of our Savior. None of us could have imagined what would take place following the competition. Our final scores had us finishing in second place that year. Although obviously disappointed at the outcome, we huddled together in a circle and said a prayer of gratitude before going to greet our families on the beach. What then ensued on the beach in Daytona was something unexpected and indeed humbling. Many fellow competitors as well as members of the audience approached us to share their congratulations, well wishes, and to tell us how our performance had touched them. Some expressed a feeling they had experienced during our performance, and others said they had been brought to tears. As these moments unfolded on the beach, members of that team of Cougarettes were able to offer those enzymes as gifts and also to share a brief testimony of their love of the Savior. It was very clear and apparent to each member of that team, and we believe, that we were not meant to win a title that year. Coming very close to winning and performing a routine that spoke to the heart opened many more doors and provided the missionary opportunities that most likely would not have been the case otherwise. God allowed us to have the missionary moments this team had prayed for. That particular year and this experience will be forever etched in my mind as one of the most memorable college dance team nationals I've been blessed to be a part of, and it was not a winning year in terms of a national title or trophy. We never know who may be watching and how what we say and do may be impacting those around us. Elder D. Todd Christofferson has said, Our example should be such that no one can deny that the Latter-day Saints love the Savior. While we do not know for certain what effect the sharing of the magazines and testimonies had on those individuals and teams, we do know that through competing at college nationals over several years, we were able to inspire one young woman who also felt something through our performances. She was not a member of the Church at that time, but wanted to come to BYU because of what she had seen the Cougarettes do at competition. She applied for and was accepted to BYU. 
That led to her investigation of the Church and her baptism shortly thereafter. She then auditioned for and became a member of the BYU Cougarettes 2013 National Championship team, a year when the team won in both jazz and hip-hop for the very first time. I am so grateful to a loving Heavenly Father who provided a way for us to share a message and our light through our talents. To quote President Worthen's message again, let His light shine more brightly through you as a result of your experiences at BYU. If you do, miracles will happen in your life, and you will see the majesty of the Lord work in the lives of others. Elder Craig C. Christensen taught, Heavenly Father knows all about you, your strengths and your weaknesses, and He knows perfectly who you are, but He also knows who you can become. And with that knowledge, He has placed you here now, at the exact place and time in which you can do the most good with the talents and gifts He has given you. Every day as I enter campus, I drive past a sign that reads, Enter to learn, go forth to serve. It thrills me as I watch former members of my team, now BYU alumni, take this phrase to heart. They are in the community serving and setting wonderful examples for those they are teaching, working with, and mentoring. Each of you here at this time will have similar opportunities today, tomorrow, and in the future to touch and change lives. The things that you will experience here at BYU will give you so much to offer the world, your community, and more personally, and importantly, your families, as you seek to better your circle of influence and make a difference in the lives of others. While I have already spoken somewhat on gratitude, I'd like to share a personal story of which I am eternally grateful that provided an opportunity for growth in my own life and is, for me, an overwhelming testimony of God's presence in each of our lives. Back in 2004, my home ward had planned to participate in a pioneer trek. At that time, I was serving in the Relief Society, and I had not been called, nor was I expected, to go on the trek. My husband was called as equipment coordinator, and our youngest son, 16 at the time, was eagerly planning to be a part of the trek experience with the rest of our ward youth. About six weeks prior to the start of the trek, I received a distinct impression that I needed to go on the trek with the ward. Now, what I need to explain to you is that at that time in my life, I was really not into hiking or camping or getting dirty or sleeping on the ground with bugs. I think you could safely call me a little spoiled in my nature. As I'm sure you can probably imagine, I brushed off the impression. While I felt that impression was something that I should listen to, the more logical side, however, kept reminding me that this was not something that I would enjoy doing, nor would it be a restful or relaxing vacation. There surely would not be a Marriott Hotel waiting for me at the end of each day. I felt that I knew what was best for me. The problem was that the impression did not go away and kept coming back to me all the while getting stronger until I knew I could no longer ignore it. I met with my bishop and asked if I could volunteer to join a Trek family and participate alongside my ward members and with my husband and son. Those of you who have been on a pioneer trek know of what I speak when I say it is not easy. What I experienced physically was not easy, 
But what I was experiencing spiritually was teaching me and preparing me for some very significant challenges that would come into my life in a few short weeks and months. As I trekked along in the heat and the dirt, and as I lay in my sleeping bag with my legs and feet throbbing at the end of a long day, and as I sat in the middle of a meadow on a plastic bucket, pouring my heart out in my journal, I truly allowed God to speak to me through the Holy Ghost. I was being profoundly changed through that experience in ways I never could have been otherwise. It was a refiner's fire of sorts. Heavenly Father had given me a choice, tender gift. I had been humbled, and I had been taught, not in ways that I would have preferred, planned, or expected, but in ways that God, who knows me and who knows you best, knew I needed to be taught. I didn't realize I needed this experience in my life, but indeed I did. What was to come were some very challenging trials, and had I not hearkened to these impressions I received, I would not have been spiritually, physically, or emotionally prepared for them. I was surrounded by angels from my ward, as well as those not seen. It was, in fact, life-changing for me. That trek was over 12 years ago, and I often reflect on that journey. I am so very grateful for that experience and how God knew what I needed at that time. I am grateful for the promptings of the Holy Ghost, for the impressions that I clearly felt, and mostly I am so grateful that I chose not to ignore them, but to listen, trust them, and rely on the Spirit. John 14.27 reads, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I lost my precious mother shortly thereafter to a terrible liver disease, and this particular verse of scripture, along with my experience on the trek, provided tremendous strength when I needed it the most. It has also provided great strength since then through various other personal trials. It's important that we allow ourselves to be in places where the Spirit can speak to us, where we can feel the Holy Ghost and where distractions of the world do not interfere. Most days I can be found up very early riding my bike through the neighborhoods near my home. While I don't profess to be a professional cyclist, in fact, far from it, it is something that I enjoy doing to honor my health, commune with nature, and to listen as the Spirit speaks to me. It's on these morning rides that I have many opportunities to pray, ponder, and seek inspiration. In our day-to-day -day lives, there is so much noise, clutter, and stress. And these distractions can, in fact, prevent us from hearing those promptings and spiritual impressions. In a talk entitled, Stand Ye in Holy Places, President Thomas S. Monson taught, We must be vigilant in a world which has moved so far from that which is spiritual. It is essential that we reject anything that does not conform to our standards, refusing in the process to surrender that which we desire most, eternal life in the kingdom of God. The storms will still beat at our doors from time to time, for they are an inescapable part of our existence in mortality. We, however, will be far better equipped to deal with them, to learn from them, and to overcome them if we have the gospel at our core and the love of our Savior in our hearts. 
The prophet Isaiah declared in Isaiah 32:17, And the work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness quietness and assurance forever. He went on to say, My beloved brothers and sisters, communication with our Father in heaven, including our prayers to Him and His inspiration to us, is necessary in order for us to weather the storms and trials of life. The Lord invites us, Draw near unto me, and I will draw near unto you. Seek me diligently, and ye shall find me. As we do so, we will feel His Spirit in our lives, providing us the desire and the courage to stand strong and firm in righteousness, to stand in holy places and be not moved." Close quote. Holy places can be anywhere we allow ourselves to feel His Spirit. God truly has a hand in our lives and will bless us as we prepare for small yet significant miracles to occur. As we draw near unto Him and seek Him diligently, we will find stability and strength to overcome and a source to whom we can look for direction. That stability will come as an anchor in our lives and in our testimonies. An old Quaker proverb goes like this, Ye lift me, and I'll lift thee, and we'll ascend together. President Harold B. Lee said, You cannot lift another soul until you are standing on higher ground than he is. You must be sure, if you would rescue the man or woman, that you yourself are setting the example of what you would have him be. You cannot light a fire in another soul unless it is burning in your own soul. The testimony that you bear, the spirit with which you teach and with which you lead, is one of the most important assets that you can have as you help to strengthen those who need so much, wherein you have so much to give. Who of us, in whatever station we may have been in, have not needed strengthening?" Close quote. I'm so grateful for the many ways that I have truly felt the hand of the Lord in my life in blessing me with many choice spiritual experiences and opportunities to share His light. Back in 2012, the Cougarettes were getting ready to compete in an international dance festival in Prague in the Czech Republic. We had prepared five numbers to compete with at the festival. One of those numbers was a lyrical dance, spiritual in nature, performed to the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, a repertory piece that we had brought back just for this occasion. Once again, missionary moments were prayed for and sought after. At a director's meeting the evening before the kickoff of the festival, I was asked by another director what types of numbers we were planning to compete with. I described each of them and then told her that we were also doing a spiritual piece that was very special to us. Her response was, I wouldn't perform that if I were you. Those types of numbers never do well in this competition. Needless to say, the Cougarettes took the stage the next day dressed in a beautiful white costume. As the girls began to dance, a hush came over the audience. You could hear a pin drop as those in the audience watched intently. As I looked around, I could see individuals unmistakably moved by what they were witnessing. Each of these girls was bearing a powerful, silent testimony of our Savior Jesus Christ through dance. At the conclusion of the piece, the audience members sat in silence rather than applauding, 
the Spirit had truly communicated to them. What a blessing to be able to use dancing to touch others. Elder Ballard, Ballard has said, Our ability to develop and use our artistic gifts to edify and inspire others depends on our faithful adherence to the Lord's teachings. In a small and simple way, we are able to, through our talents, do His work and help spread His gospel. <coughs> By small and simple means are great things brought to pass. We are serving as His hands, and He asks that we give our all to bless the lives of others, to serve, lift up the hands that hang down and strengthen the feeble knees, to rescue, and to bless. We have a blessed and sacred opportunity to be a light, to lift, to edify, recognize a need, and to be His angels here on earth. My husband Scott and I have been blessed with five beautiful, precious grandchildren, four boys and a girl. Two, four girls and a boy. <laughs> four girls and a boy. <laughs> Two of those little girls are our twins, Beth and Sadie. So it might come as no surprise that I love this story about newborn twins, Brielle and Kyrie Jackson. The twin girls were born on October 17, 1995, a full 12 weeks ahead of their due date. Both babies were placed in separate incubators. Kyrie, the larger of the two babies, was making good progress and gaining weight, but her smaller sister had breathing and heart rate problems. There was little weight gain and her oxygen level was low. On November 12th, tiny Brielle went into critical condition. Her stick-thin arms and legs turned bluish-gray as she gasped for air. Her heart rate soared, and their parents watched terrified that their little daughter might die. One of the NICU nurses, after exhausting all other conventional remedies, decided to try a procedure that was common in parts of Europe but virtually unknown in the United States. With parental permission, she placed the twins in the same bed. No sooner had she closed the incubator door than Brielle snuggled up to Kyrie and began to calm down. Within minutes, her blood oxygen readings improved. As she dozed, Kyrie wrapped her left arm around her smaller sister. Brielle's heart rate stabilized and her temperature rose to normal. This photograph of Kyrie hugging her little sister, dubbed the rescuing hug, appeared in both Life magazine and Reader's Digest. Our ability to rescue might be as simple as a smile, a listening ear, an understanding heart, an a hug in an appropriate time, or an artistic expression of testimony. President Monson has reminded us we are surrounded by those in need of our attention, our encouragement, our support, our comfort our kindness. We are the Lord's hands here upon the earth with the mandate to serve and lift His children. He is dependent upon each of us. This picture appeared on the LDS Church Instagram feed. It illustrates perfectly just how often throughout any given day we are in a situation where we have no idea the burdens others are carrying. Wouldn't it be nice if we could wear an appropriate emoji over our heads, signaling to one and all just how, at any given moment, how we are feeling? 
But of course, that is not possible. How important, then, is it that we have open, compassionate, kind, non-judgmental hearts, and that we seek to love others unconditionally and hearken to the promptings of the Spirit? President Spencer W. Kimball has said, and I know and have experienced this many, many times firsthand, quote, God does notice us, and He watches over us, but it is usually through another person that He meets our needs. Close quote. None of us will escape sorrow, disappointment, and trials. There may be times where we will be called upon to be the rescuer, to have the strength, the fortitude, and the means to help, lift, and love another. And there may be many other times when we are the one who may need to allow others to rescue us. It is at times a difficult thing to admit that we need help. However, when we allow others to help us, we are not only receiving the blessings, but we allow the giver to be the receiver as well. This poem by William Ma, entitled Touching Shoulders, is one of my favorites. There's a comforting thought at the close of the day, when I'm weary and lonely and sad, that sort of grips hold of my crusty old heart and bids it be merry and glad. It gets in my soul, and it drives out the blues, and it thrills me through and through. It is just the sweet memory that chants the refrain, I'm glad I touched shoulders with you. Did you know you were brave? Did you know you were strong? Did you know there was one leaning hard? Did you know that I waited and listened and prayed and was cheered by your simplest word? Did you know that I long for that smile on your face, for the sound of your voice ringing true? Did you know I grew stronger and better because I had merely touched shoulders with you? So many of our brothers and sisters experience loneliness, heartache, and disappointment and sorrow at this time of year. Take time to listen to the promptings of the Holy Ghost. Pray for opportunities to rescue and to help. And as you do so, you will be blessed to be the miracle in someone's life. As Horton so perfectly demonstrated, we should be willing to go out of our way to help, to rescue, provide aid, encouragement, enlightenment, a listening ear, or a safe place to rest. Ye lift me, and I'll lift thee, and we'll ascend together. Our Savior gave us the perfect example of love, compassion, respite, and rescue. He has beckoned us to come unto Him, to be His hands, to love one another. May we go forward with a commitment to listen to those spiritual promptings, to love, lift, rescue, to be a light to others, and to be His hands here on earth. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. You've been listening to the By Study and By Faith podcast presented by BYU Speeches. Please check out our other podcasts of recent speeches, classic speeches, and BYU Speeches compilations on love and marriage, overcoming adversity, come follow me, the prophet Joseph Smith, and Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer. Go to speeches.byu.edu and click on podcasts for more information. You can also find all BYU Speeches podcasts at your preferred podcast provider.